Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriends, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tussauds. And I'm Ann Friedman. We are back to talk more about bodies in the world and the way some bodies are politicized differently. This one is from a new podcast called She's All Fat, hosted by Sophie Carter-Khan and April Quio. Part two in our series of asking awesome podcasters to fill in the air on our show. Hey, girl. We're still on vacation. Hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> come see us Saturday, October 21st at the Women's Club of Minneapolis. And yeah, all the details and links to tickets, you can find it at callyourgirlfriend.com slash events. Where hey. in the world is Anne San Diego? Anne Diego, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm perfectly honest, I like don't really know what where in the world Carmen San Diego is beyond just the name. Oh, my God. I was obsessed with that computer game as a kid. And it's like the only reason I learned world capitals. No thanks to you. Let me stop you. I did not know it was a computer game. (laughs) It was also a TV show, but I had a computer game version. And like, that's like the only reason I know most world capitals like outside North America. (laughs) This is hilarious. Yeah, it's been on my like America to like Wikipedia list, but keeps getting pushed down the bottom. I understand. It's not it's not modern day urgent. I mean, except I feel like every Halloween someone goes as Carmen San Diego in just a trench coat and a hat. And I support that. I know. Um, I always like before my English was very good. I was always like, that's girl Waldo. Girl <laughs> Waldo. Out, I love it. It worked out really well. You know what, though? Like totally from the same time period of my childhood and the same type of like wholesome children's entertainment. Like it's 100 percent exactly that. I can't believe this is the game. Like, you guys had a game to, like, teach you world capitals. That's fun. That's, like, more fun than just having to learn them out of the book. Listen, I didn't leave the country until I was well into adulthood. So, like, thank you, Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> Listen, like we- I'm, a ge- I'm a geography beast. So, like, I would have <laughs> slayed that game. <laughs> I know. It was so good. Okay, for real... We are still gone. <laughs> we are we are we are back to talk more about bodies in the world and the way some bodies are politicized differently. This is not a comprehensive set of episodes on this topic, but I feel like it's one of those things where whenever we talk about our bodies, about women's bodies, about marginalized bodies, like people are into it. We get a lot of mail about it, and so I'm I'm happy to devote another episode to the subject. Yes. And so this is um, part two in our series of asking um, 
awesome podcasters to fill in uh, to fill in the air on our show. This one is from a new podcast called She's All Fat, hosted by Sophie Carter Khan and April Quio, who are some LA gals I know and like very, very much. They're total babes. This like picture of them that I've seen on the internet like kills me. Um, their portrait game is so good. When I look at like their Instagram account, which I believe is at She's All Fat Pod. All I think about is how you and I need to do more like Sears Portrait Studios sessions together slash magazine slash catalog shoots. <laughs> I like, listen, you know, it's honestly like that's a that's a thing. It's an area we're lacking in, but we're going to work on it. 2K, 2K18 goals. I know. Like good portraits. 100%. So anyway, the podcast, which like I said, just started in September. It's brand new. They say it's the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love and chill vibes only. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> all things I, I know right um so first we asked them to talk a little bit about their definition of body positivity because I think and I'm I would love to hear your thoughts on this too that it's one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot even though the sort of more political aspects of it are often not brought to light or it's it's one of those things that like people may might use as a catchphrase but like might not understand or have internalized all the principles behind it. Oh, 100%. This is why I'm super excited about this segment. And I'm excited that we're talking about this because people love to use like feminist catchphrases and like refuse to do the work to like know where it all comes from. And and body positivity is like definitely one of those things where it's used for everything from like, oh, I ate too much, but it's okay because I'm body pause to like ridiculous ladies at gyms like saying weird things to you and then being like that's body positivity too Mm -hmm. one of the things that is like i think really important is like realizing that all of this stems from like radical feminist like politics in the 70s Mm -hmm. and so feminism is not about choice it's actually a political movement so uh you can do all the things that make you happy but like if you're not doing like political work then you know like get out of the kitchen because it's too hot for you. <laughs> but I, I feel like we sound like those, what whatever people think like older, like second wave feminists are who are always like, the kids, they don't know anything. They don't read anything. They like don't understand. And I think that to some extent that's true. But also like you have access to the same Google as we do. Right. Like I'm glad that people like Sophie and April will like generously do the work for us. But like, a lot of the stuff is available out there. <laughs> totally. Okay, so turning it over to Sophie and April for some real talk about body positivity. Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. If you'd like to join us for conversations about pop culture, feminism, and body justice, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you'll get a new episode on your phone every Thursday. So uh, who are we? We're two writers and friends living in Los Angeles, and we're both fat. I'm black, and you're white, and we're both into television, smoothies, and fashion. April, do you think one day we could be like a fat Anne and Aminatu? Do you think like they could be our 
through the looking glass mentors like us if we had everything together and like wore vintage fashion and were bicoastal and into like tech startups. No, Sophie, that's weird. Okay, fine, but maybe one day. Anyways, we're such huge fans of Call Your Girlfriend and we're so excited to be a part of it. Now that we've thoroughly stand for Amina and Anne, let's move on to our main discussion segment, The Meat of It. The Meat of It. This week, we're giving the CYG fam a primer on body positivity. So what is body positivity and why does it exist? Please tell us. We want to know. Well, we do know. So... (laughs) Um, I'm taking this quote from Melissa Gibson's master's thesis that she released online. Um, if you can find her on Instagram at yours truly Melly, and she defines body positivity as the following started by fat women for fat women. The body positive movement originally sought to dismantle and nuance the powerful common narrative of the fat body through the visual representation of those who, that were marginalized because of the way they look. So what does that mean? Basically, she's saying that body positivity is about taking images and discussions and showing up for fat bodies and other marginalized bodies as a way to change the public discussion about those bodies and try to fight for justice for those bodies. And even though it seems like with popular culture and journalism, this idea is brand new, it's not new, is it? No, it's not new. It developed from specifically fat liberation movements in the 1970s. There were a lot of groups like the Fat Underground or other smaller collectives in Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco that did things like create zines and have meetups. Then it moved on in the 90s to groups like The Body Positive, which is still a website you can go look at. They're a group. They do like workshops and and speaking things. And now it's trickled down to kind of more individual level grassroots um, work on blogs and tumblers and Instagram accounts, which is probably how most of the listeners of today's podcast have heard about body positivity. Totally. So if you've ever used the hashtag F your beauty standards... But also the good ones. Like, there's, like, all bodies are good bodies. There's, like, even all the curvy ones, I think, mm-hmm. like, basically come from this. It's, like, hashtag curvy cutie or, like, yeah. hashtag bikini body. If you whatever. ever saw a chubby girl on Instagram in a bikini <laughs> and she's, like, hashtag I love myself. It's from this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, April, tell me more about body positivity. What are the goals of body positivity? Okay, there are a lot of goals, a lot of hotly contested goals, but the main ones that most people tend to agree with is that, number one, about disrupting the status quo, so about this idea that a thin, white, cis, Aryan body is no longer the goal for everyone. There could be a whole bunch of different types of bodies, and they're all equally chill. Um, Other goals are tearing down the oppression of different types of marginalized bodies. So, of course, a lot, a big part of body positivity is fat bodies, but there's also, if you live in a black body, you're marginalized. If you live in a disabled body, you're marginalized. And all that's covered under the body positivity umbrella with the goal of ending that oppression based on the body that you live in. And some other goals are health-related. There's a lot of marginalization that comes with the health community and with trying to go to the doctor. A lot of times doctors will pass a lot of personal judgment against you and make it seem like it's science. So they're like, you look like you're going to get diabetes when really it's like, 
Yeah, I don't what's, have diabetes. What's the weirdest thing you personally have had a doctor bring up fatness about that you went to the doctor for? The weirdest one was <laughs> one time took a school trip to a took a school, a school trip. trip. What's a school trip, April? <laughs> <laughs> we took a school trip to Doha, Qatar. And of course, immediately after touching what? down, yeah, yeah, like, we had like a spring <laughs> break. Okay, so it was this thing where you apply to go to just for the week of spring break to visit. We have a sister campus there. Northwestern has a sister campus there. Okay, so um, this I is got college. To go. I was like, this damn, is this is a sick no, high school. Not in my public <laughs> high school, no way. Okay. <laughs> no, in college, we took a school trip to Doha, Qatar, and of course, immediately after landing. I have a fever. <laughs> like, oh my God. tends to happen to me every time I travel. I'm, like, sick. So I felt like I had strep throat or, like, a cold or something. Just lots of just, like, stuff happening. So I go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, here's your amoxicillin. Also, you probably wouldn't have gotten sick if you weren't <laughs> so fat. And I was like, number one, I'm in the emergency room in a foreign. I've never left the country before. Oh You're not my primary doctor. He just said, well, you got a cold, but... If you weren't such a fat ass. Oh <laughs> and that's God. just like totally, I mean, there's no rules against that. That's totally acceptable. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, and left. It happens all the time if you're in a fat body. That happened to me in France, um, except they also made sure to note that it was probably because as an American, I had a weak body used to air conditioning. I, I mean, like, I mean, like, though? okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, fair, low key, but still rude. <laughs> like, truly. Yeah. That's like kind of uh, just a little sampling of like, in our lives, some things that have made um, fighting against fat oppression so important. Like we basically need to work on the way that society talks about fat bodies and other kinds of marginalized bodies, even for just things like getting access to health care. Totally. Because that somebody's personal prejudice about your body could get in the way of you living a healthy life. Like yeah. truly doctors will not further explore your issues. They're like, oh, your neck oh hurts. God. It's just because you're fat and then you have cancer. Yeah. It happens all the time. I know. I found out this year that I have no less than three autoimmune diseases that doctors for years were just like, it's probably because you're fat. You're fat. Or they'll be like, yeah, fat people just have lupus. You're just, it's like, what? <laughs> it's <laughs> truly ridiculous. Up by science Oh my God. Um, so we would love to end that. Yeah, <laughs> this let's political end that. movement. That'd be great. So some common sayings in the body positive movement are things you might have heard, like all bodies are good bodies, which is kind of a distillation of that idea that everybody deserves respect and everybody deserves to be able to move through the world and be treated as a as a valuable human being. Um, and also just like this is a broader feminism thing, but the personal is political. So your personal experience, our personal experiences walking through the world in these bodies are political and we are committed to like fighting for political justice for our bodies and the bodies of all of our sisters and, and fat fam. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to note here, it's important for us to to say that there's a difference between body positivity and self-love. Oh, for sure. Like self-love is this idea that you should love yourself. It's in the term. And that <laughs> you should, you know, look in the mirror and, and not feel like I need to change to meet some sort of standard. And I think that's so important. But it's separate from this yeah. political idea of can I move through the world without having challenges thrown at me just yeah. because of how I look. Like self-love has yeah. nothing to do with whether or not your body is going to be like legislated out of existence. I think I'm very cute, but I still walk on the doctor <laughs> and he will only pay like two minutes of attention right. to me. And that has nothing to do with how I feel about myself. Yeah, they're for sure interrelated. Like, for example, you know, 
I, in my personal experience this last year, it was only when I like really started practicing self-love that I was able to really advocate for myself and for my body. But like, they're definitely not the same thing. I think it's really important for us to repeat that distinction as much as we can, because I know a lot of people who have like reached out to me and been like, oh, like, I really agree with body positivity, but I feel like I'm not a part of it because I struggle with loving my body. Totally. I can see why there's a misconception because body positivity sounds like you're positive about your body. Right. Like, I get that. It might just be a marketing thing. <laughs> but yeah, it really is important to be like, I'm going on two journeys. One is to love and appreciate myself. Two is to dismantle the oppression of my marginalized body. Yeah. Separate walks together, but separate. Yeah, I mean, I think that that just the the phrase of it, I wish I kind of wish we could create a new term like body justice or something, because calling it body positivity has really allowed it to be kind of co-opted recently by like just people being like, oh, body positivity is just like liking yourself and being positive. It's like, no. No. Yeah, I can see how you thought, especially from the images on Instagram, I can see how you're like. I have cellulite, but I love it. I'm body positive. Right. But and it's, like, it's just a, no. it's like an overly simple look at it. So we would love on our show to yeah. get more and more into like the nitty gritty. Yeah, especially in just even that specific example. I have cellulite, but I still love myself. It's like the body positive take, the true body positive take is cellulite's not bad. Yeah, like let's start, let's stop associating any sort of anything but perfect as like some kind of moral yeah, wrongdoing or it, something. It's definitely not like I'm ugly, but I still love totally, myself. Totally, it shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about diet culture. So get into it. Yeah. So in this um, interview with two fat body pause icons, Marie Southard Ospina and Elise D'Alessandro, um, they're talking about diet culture, what it is, how it affects everyone. And Marie Ospina said this quote that is like a pretty good summary of what diet culture is. She says, quote, it's promoting the idea that weight loss is a cure-all to every possible ailment, physical or psychological. It promises us that a smaller body will lead to a happier, more fulfilled life. So in general, diet culture is like the set of ideas that help make everyone in our culture believe that number one achieving like a barbie body is possible number two that that's like a morally right thing to do and number three that the perfect healthy body is thin exactly so for example you know how on january 1st when you turn on the television and it's a woman holding her previously large pants and she's like I used to be in these huge pants, but now I'm not. And, <laughs> and she's now standing I in like one love. side. Yeah, she's standing in one side of the big pants and she's like, yeah, and she's like, now I finally am like living life before I was just drowning in my own fat. <laughs> and then it's like, you want to continue to drown in your own fat or you want to be in half of your jeans? Click here. That's an example of diet culture oh my God. because it's kind of tying into like new year, new you, you can be successful. Somehow weight loss is an achievement. Like yeah. all of these ideas, perfect examples of diet culture and trust us, it's everywhere. Yeah truly everywhere it's also everywhere just because like uh low-key hope the cyg audience is cool with socialism because like we're <laughs> getting <pretty> to <laughs> it okay free healthcare. what's good because <laughs> diet culture is pretty much propped up by capitalism um especially in america where we have all these beliefs about like if you try hard enough you would succeed and if like you don't then it's you know if you don't succeed in whatever way you're trying to make it then like it's your own fault for being like 
poor or like black no and whatever you know what i mean like bootstrapping yeah. your own body it's all about this yes. whole, like you can make it work idea that is not a reality for every single person yeah um so in our little segment today on cyg we would love to explore one huge example of someone that is constantly participating in diet culture and that is the one and only oprah winfrey <laughs> the big ow <laughs> that sounded like a mega truck rally <laughs> or like monday monday monday, monday. monday. <laughs> o.w coming to the back oprah <laughs> fighting against gail and stedman and the big rally of the century <laughs> Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me, Aminatu. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com. Offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. So that's incredible. They are incredible. But here's the here's the great part. We we asked them for that. And then they also gave us this like bonus conversation about Oprah specifically, which I mean, you they they must know that you and I will devour anything related to Oprah and are obsessed with hearing about what's up. So it's about Oprah's complicated relationship with bodies, Oprah's weight, and the ways that Oprah has been publicly talked about and the ways she has chosen to talk about her body, her weight, and like what she's trying to do to change her body. I think like it is one of those complex issues about a woman who we are pretty much in love with, (laughs) but also like can recognize that there are some fucked up things going on here. April, who do you think is like the biggest, most iconic, perpetuator of diet culture right now sophie there's only one answer who is it is it me (laughs) did i do it 
Say it with me, Sophie. Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Winfrey. It's Oprah. It's Oprah Winfrey. It's Oprah. It's Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I want you to know that whatever diet you choose, and this audience is filled with people who've had great successes, you can do with the help of your family doctor. And if you can believe in yourself and believe that this is the most important thing in your life, as, as Scott said to us earlier, you can conquer it. When is that clip from? Like the 80s? Um, Yes, that is a late 80s clip. So on Oprah's long running show, a lot of the segments and episodes had to do with her own personal weight loss journey. Oprah has always been really open about her weight fluctuating up and down and has kind of used the narrative of losing weight as a way to gain happiness, to gain fulfillment and self-fulfillment has always been a big proponent of tying those ideas together. So the clip you just heard is from the infamous fat wagon incident. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you know about the fat wagon? I, I've seen like pictures of it when I've seen other like body pause people write about like how Oprah both is like trapped in these yo-yo diets and she's constantly like, this time I can do it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a perfect example. The fat wagon was the show went off the air for a summer. Oprah went on an all liquid diet. Oh she God. came back to the new season, had lost 70 pounds. And Her teeth had grown all the way out. True. She wasn't <laughs> grinding them down. Every day. Truly. And so um, to celebrate, she had her producers gather bits of animal fat from all over the city of Chicago and put into a wagon and the fat weighed the amount that she had lost. So she wheeled out this wagon and said, look at the fat I've lost. You guys can do it too, basically. Um, That was the time when I think Oprah stepped into this identity of I'm going to be on with you guys on this weight loss journey through the show. Um, And then also later on in her career, she's noted that this was one of her biggest mistakes. Oprah doesn't say regrets because everything happens for a reason <laughs> great it's like how bachelorette doesn't let you say process yeah it makes say you say journey, journey. Mm-hmm. it's like that so there's no regrets <laughs> but this is one thing that she would have done differently because it, it did kind of introduce this idea of now i'm happy now i'm self-fulfilled because i'm thin and you can yeah. do it too and she also went on the record saying the night they filmed this segment she went home and binged and like ate for the first time in three Jesus. months and she gained all the way back super fast i mean i'm sure it's not the that's not the first time she had gone through this cycle it was mm-hmm. just the first time she was like i i'm gonna be public about it yeah and and almost be like she also said later she regretted it because she felt like she was bragging because that was the first time that she's like success like she said weight mm-hmm. loss is a success she stepped into that narrative and interesting it has long it has long followed it's her haunted her a lot of you already know that what I did was, what I did was I fasted for, without cheating, for a solid six weeks. And uh, Mary Kay, who's a member, producer on the staff here, got married. And I said to them when I first started this liquid protein supervised, medically supervised fast, I said to them when I went in with the counselor that six weeks into this, I know I'm going to eat something because I'm giving the wedding and paying for the food, so I intend to eat it. And so I did. I cheated, but it was controlled cheating halfway into the diet. But up until six weeks, I ate absolutely nothing. It makes me sad that she feels the need to say without cheating. Mm. Like it's so. It's not. You're not eating. How is that cheating? You're yeah. Not having any food. Well, she's just saying she she's so trapped in the idea that like eating food is bad that she's like, I didn't cheat. I promise. Like, totally. Like, dude, that's so sad. So sad and. 
that incident inspired so many people to do the same thing, which is get a doctor to agree to put you on an all liquid diet. And so many women went through it with her where they lost a bunch of weight, took a picture, immediately gained it back because you have to eat food to be alive and then continue to go on the cycle. So fast forward to today, Oprah's one of the richest women in America, still struggling with her body image. Um, it's truly crazy. She's she like can't the escape it. most successful person. Like think about anything you could ever want. Oprah has it, but she's not thin. And so she's not happy. She has a boyfriend and a girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, hey, <laughs> allegedly, come on. <laughs> We're try to get sued. But she's still like, it's how many times has she been on the cover of O Magazine, like in her like fat self and then her new thin self. It's like even on the cover of her own magazine. Totally. And she'll point to her old self and be like, ew, right. who's that? Yeah. It's you six months ago. It's still so you. Sad. I'm like, it's how so sad. do you have these collected somewhere? Like, you've done like five of them, Oprah. No. Like, it's okay. You're fine. But she doesn't think that. And I think that that is just the bi- biggest example of how pervasive our problem in this country is that the most successful woman in the country is still like, I would rather be thin than be anything else yeah. than be a female billionaire. Thank God. It's bananas. <laughs> so, fast forward to today, last year, it was big in the news that she bought 10% of Weight Watchers. And the money that she invested doubled overnight. And so now she's even richer. Now Oprah is a partner with Weight Watchers. And you may have seen a lot of commercials like this. I love bread. Oprah loves bread, everybody. (laughs) Same. I love bread, too. I love bread, too. So basically, she's in these, which let's just note, every other Weight Watchers commercial is very, like, scripted. And she's like, I'm not reading a script. I'm going on there and talking about how I love bread for 20 minutes. And you're going to use this as your ad campaign. And they're like, okay, Miss Winfrey, whatever you want. Who who was that? That was was Mr. Weight Watchers. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want, Miss Winfrey. He looks like Mr. Clean. He's just fat. Um, she's allowed to do whatever because remember Jennifer Hudson she had to do like choreography and sing a song Oprah's like I'm sitting on my personal couch (laughs) talking about brand you can fuck off so (laughs) um, so you may have seen those commercials now Oprah is on once again not a process but a journey of weight loss with Weight Watchers and so she's doing a lot of press where she says things like it's not a diet it's a lifestyle this is a forever thing. It's it's changed how I think about food. Can we play that clip? Uh, Weight Watchers actually uh, has given me the tools because everybody who's done a diet, you know that you promise yourself and then Monday and then by Monday afternoon, you say, okay, I'll start Tuesday and then by... And so there's always something coming up. So Weight Watchers has actually, these past two months, given me the tools to have accountability to myself. Mm -hmm. So like, so far today, I've probably had, uh, when I was in the car, was kind of 17 points. So it means I have now 13 points left. I get 30 a day. And it's really depends on your weight, your size, whatever. And so I know I can now have 13 points left for the day. So it works. Woohoo. All right. That is so triggering. As a former (laughs) Weight Watchers person, like literally, I just, that whole mindset. Number one, it's so sad to me every time. Not that like anything about Oprah's is sad. Like she's fine. She's, she's still a billionaire. billionaire. She like yeah. picks rutabagas from her garden and then like throws them at her cook. But like she she's says fine. it's fennel. But like <laughs> yeah, like she like is out there saying like I now have accountability to myself. Like she's so committed to seeing her body as a failure she's like finally someone will force me not to be a terrible dieter the whole 
Weight Watchers system, if people don't know, it assigns points to food and then you get to have a certain number of points a day and it's based on how much you weigh, how much you want to lose per week, how much exercise you do, how old you are. There's this whole part for like if you're pregnant, which is like fucked up. Nobody should be on like a diet when they're... <laughs> they let you do weight... Wa- well, oh yeah, I guess and breastfeeding. Like, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So like it doesn't teach you anything about nutrition Like, it doesn't really teach you anything about health because when I was doing it, I did that exact same thing of being like, okay, I had one slice of cake that was 15 points. Now I have 13 points left for the day. I'm going to have half of a bite of pizza. That'll be six. Like, it's not. (laughs) It doesn't, there's no like value if you have veggie. Veggies are like zero points, but like it doesn't tell you, it doesn't encourage you or teach you. It's like you can if you're still thinking about weight and eating in this like messed up way, it does not help you get out of that at all. So she's sitting there like, isn't it great? Now I know how much I'm allowed to eat the allowed rest of the to. day. Like the, the nice like, lady told me how much I'm allowed right. to. It's like that doesn't get into like, you know, what does my body want me to eat? What would feel good to eat? What would be nutritious to eat? How does like, my body respond to eating certain things? It's just All of that about is so control. Important. And I also think the important thing to note here is when Oprah says she likes something, that means millions of women across the country are like, I'm doing that too. I mean, yeah. Oprah is a super like Christ-like figure in this country. <laughs> Literally. So that's how that's how come the stocks got so valuable as soon as she touched it. And it's like Weight Watchers was on <laughs> a downswing. And now they're like doing a little better because Oprah's... Yeah. Bringing her followers along with her. And Oprah then, yeah. and Weight Watchers are like that painting on like the... Sistine Chapel. She's like reaching out to mm. Weight Watchers. <laughs> she like touches it with her finger and Weight Watchers is like, stop. Bing, 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 bing. So, God, it's so true. Also, if anyone is interested in reading more about Weight Watchers through the years specifically, you should check out Taffy Brodeser Ackner, I believe is her name. Um, really good long form piece in the New York Times in August of 2017 this year. Yes, it kind of talks about how wellness is a trend now. And if you really dig under wellness and under clean eating, those are all just synonyms for dieting. But kind of the diet culture in general is being rebranded. And I mean, Oprah and the new version of Weight Watchers are a huge part of that. The the whole juice cleanse fat wagon thing and Weight Watchers, it's like she's literally trapped in the same loop. Like you can hear her trying to say like, it's going to be different this time. But like even just the way that she talks about points in that clip on Ellen, again, like a black woman and a gay woman are there like the hosts of their own shows, very powerful, very rich. And they're still like, how can I eat less? Totally. Help me. And those clips are 30 years apart. It's crazy. But so both of those approaches are just about how can I eat less? How can I restrict myself and control myself? She hasn't really like, you know, if if weight loss were really about quote unquote health, the way a lot of commenters say it is, mm. then like you would be like, hey, Oprah, let's like talk about what fuels your body. Mm-hmm. Not like, let's talk about how we can make calories into this weird thing called points. Yeah. And you can pretend that like you're doing great math. It's interesting to think about the fact that she is using the same language these 30 years apart because part of her brand is this idea that y'all are struggling with your body. I'm struggling with my body. Let's go through it together. Like if Oprah woke up one day and she's like, you know what, ladies, I'm not on a diet today. Today, I'm eating what I want to do. She lives in this like enchanted fairy garden. I'm going outside and picking a fruit. I'm doing whatever I want and I'm happy and I'm not mad at myself for my body. Think about what a different 
She could change the cultural climate just by like saying something. I mean, Oprah is so powerful, but her whole brand has been based off of like relatability, which of course means so much to so many women, but it also means she's sharing this toxic part of her life with all these women who look up to her. And so it's just kind of like if Oprah bought ten percent of body positivity. (laughs) We gotta like we gotta trademark the the movement and give her the stocks. For real though. Yeah, I mean, Oprah's whole thing is, like, not being perfect. It's about, like, I'm going through this. I'm learning as much as you. Um, But it's also, like, you know, she has launched the careers of all these experts, like, notably white male experts, like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, who are both, like, quack central. Dr. Oz might be a doctor. Dr. Phil is not a doctor. (laughs) Also, no, he's divorced. Not that, like, you can't be a therapist and get divorced, but, But, like, Robin was always walking out there, like, hi, we're so happy. They were not. They They were not. He had hoes. I'm just saying, like, that bald head was not cool. (laughs) Not chill. Not chill. And, yeah, just just think about that. The bald head is fine. I'm just saying he's a bald bald headed man. The bald head. Um, Yeah, I mean, Oprah is responsible for so much of our United States economy, which sounds crazy. <laughs> it's but true, it's though. so true. I mean, Dr. Oz, think about how much he blew up after he got that seal of approval from, from Oprah. Yeah. They had this long relationship that ended up ending when Congress investigated him for saying stuff like, I have a miracle weight loss pill or like this fruit will, will it's like a magic fruit and it'll help you lose weight, which is just bullshit. So he goes <laughs> to talk to Congress and he's like, well, when I said magic, I didn't really mean magic. And then overnight, <laughs> Oprah cuts ties with him. But think about the amount of damage that had already been done at that point, because when Oprah says she likes something, all these white ladies in the Midwest are like, me too. Yeah. And then they give them their money and it could be damaging long term. Totally. So it's just, and that's the thing is Oprah, she is our auntie. Like she's not trying to hurt us, but it's just about these personal struggles she has turn into real impact on other people's lives because yeah. of who she is. It's hard too because like, you know, don't want I don't want at all to say like Oprah has to be perfect. Like mm-hmm. Oprah has to have like a good quote unquote good approach to body positivity and like if she doesn't talk about everything in exactly the right way then like fuck her because that's like not true at all it's just that like I you know Oprah is so powerful and successful like iconic amazing and I just like know how powerful it would be if she could embrace herself as she is so true and the thing is oprah is allowed to go on whatever journey she wants but if she could stop using the language of the skinny you is trapped inside of the fat you and start using language like this is who i am today it would change so much so here's just an example of some of the language that oprah has been a big proponent of inside every overweight woman is a woman she knows she can be Many times you look in the mirror and you don't even recognize your own self because you've got lost, buried in the weight that you carry. Nothing you've ever been through is wasted. So every time I tried and failed, every time I tried again, and every time I tried again has brought me to this most powerful moment to say if not now when I feel that way and I know millions of other people feel that way are you ready 
Let's do this together. Oprah's not fat. Like that's what we should have said that from jump. Um, I think Oprah at her biggest was like two hundred pounds. Right. You're not fat. So yeah. you're trying to change your body into something that it's resisting you for a reason. No, number for real. one. Number two, I just wish intellectually that you would get to the point where you're just examining the language that you're using. Like I don't like the idea that the fat me is a different me. Even no. if I lose weight, I think it's still me. And I don't want to yeah. shit on the fat me because it's still you. Well, it is it is just like you know, the way that she says that really says the real you is your physical self. Like your true self is inherent in how small you are. And if you're big, then it's hiding the real you. Like, sorry, you're the same person if you're fat or if you're thin. It's a really scary way to think of yourself also in these like little boxes of like real me, temporary me, future me. I think people are just themselves and they could change. But I think That's kind of the point of this whole thing is just being able to accept yourself whatever phase, whatever journey your current body is at. It's also just like Oprah's Oprah's the best example of like how much of a waste of your fucking life it is to be part of this. I mean, she could be traveling the world. Again, I just want to (laughs) clarify. She is the richest woman in California. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey could buy a planet. She could do whatever she wants. She's on a treadmill. Like, Like it sucks. (laughs) Well, it's just like how much, you know, if you've struggled with this, if you've struggled with dieting and body positivity, if you've like felt the tension between those, if you've ever like done one of these diets, you know it takes up like 80% of your mental space for the day. It's a full-time job. I think that's what people don't realize when they shout at me on the street like, hey, fatty, (laughs) go on a diet. It's like it takes six hours a week to meal prep. You have to buy all these organic foods. Sometimes you have to weigh your food on certain diets. I don't have time for that. I'm on the hustle. You know what I mean? I mean, it's also just like, you know, diets don't work. This is like proven over and over and over and over. diets don't work. It's all all a ruse. Diets don't work. Spoiler alert. Like, yeah. And also, like, diets don't make you healthier. Like, what they do is mess up your metabolism. Because diets aren't one size fits all. It just seems obvious, but it really is not. It's very clear to people in this country that that does not make sense to them. I mean, yeah. Shout out here to um, Health at Every Size, like, which is a great resource for people who want to learn more about, like, how health practices and healthy practices can be distinct from losing or gaining weight. Totally. Um, So, like, you know, for myself, I know I like started going to nutritionist this year for my GI issues. I feel way better. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with my weight. It's about all. what I'm eating. And like, I'm always going to be fat. Spoiler totally. alert. People think that you could not be <laughs> fat and healthy. It just does not exist at the same yeah. time. Meanwhile, there's Olympians who are fat. Yeah. And they're like peak athleticism. And also, I shouldn't have to prove to you that I'm healthy. No. It's also, not you your business. Be, you can be skinny and unhealthy and like yeah. healthy. You all know that girl. Don't front like you don't know that girl. It's like, I love pizza. And you're like, Katie, you've never had a glass of water. And she's like, I only like Gatorade. She's unhealthy. So get off my back. Okay. Katie's like never had a real peach. She just uses the peach emoji yeah, like every like, day. Is this like a peach ring, but bigger? Like, I don't know what that is. She's constipated. Totally. Katie is constipated. Oh I have bowel movements regularly. <laughs> you don't know me. Okay. Also, I was going to say, like, just that clip of her. It's so... It's so ingrained in me now. Like, even now that I'm like, fuck everyone, blah, blah, blah. Like, she was saying, like, how many points she has left for the day. And, I was, and in my head, my first thought was like, oh, you had a big lunch. Like, as of <laughs> you how know many points? Because I know how I oh know. My God. Like, I never did. I know, I know how much she weighs based on how many points she said she could have. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, like, 
anyone who ever says like you're not trying hard enough and that's why you haven't lost weight or like you need to be educated about calories. I know the calories of every single thing I put in my mouth. A banana is 120 calories, 20 carbs. (laughs) It's crazy. Like don't fuck with me. (laughs) A banana uh, when I was on Weight Watchers was two points and an Mm -hmm. apple was one point. But like they've changed it up. We know it all. Yeah, we know it all. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, if Oprah cannot escape body image issues and she's like a billionaire, like, <laughs> what do we, how do we do it? Listen, we're going to break through it on She's All Fat. Please join us. We're going to dismantle this fat patriarchy. It's not patriarchy. It's for not sure patriarchy. It oh, for sure it is. Just the word fat patriarchy seems weird. Oh. Fat. It's curiarchy, dude. What? The curiarchy is like, it's like the cool word for patriarchy. It's like curiarchy. Curiarchy. Like Cur- wait, am I saying it right? It's like curiarchy. It's K Y R curiarchy. It's like just a curiarchy? word. You're dumb. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> curiarchy is like the a word that means like the intersection of various types of patriarchy, essentially. So it's like patriarchy plus capitalism plus like all other kinds of oppression, whatever. So it's like all those things together are curiarchy. It's like the opposite of intersectionality. Okay, so Oprah's behavior is an example of the curiarchy. For sure. Sweet. <laughs> I'm glad you just taught me that new vocab. Yeah. Even though you were so mean to me while you did it. I'm sorry. You were just looking at me like I was insane. I mean, I've never heard this word before. So even though Oprah is a problematic fave, we don't want to be too harsh on her. No, we She's love Oprah. the love of my life. Yeah. I know everything about her. That's why we did this episode. I think a lot of people had the same experience I did, which was like my mom and I watched Oprah every day after school. Was like, and we would talk about what happened and we would talk about like, you know, what we could learn from the episodes or like we would talk about emotional things because of what was on the episodes. Like it was like a special thing that we did. And Oprah was, it was like, she was hanging out with us, you know? Totally. I mean, I'm a black woman who works in media. I'm sure you can ask literally any other black woman who works in media. Oprah means the world to us. Like, yeah. none of us could do anything if it weren't for Oprah being on TV, being herself, being mm-hmm. loud, being opinionated, and knowing what she wants to create and, like, actually being able to execute it. Like, she means the world to me. Yeah. I know every single thing about Oprah Winfrey. Did you know that her middle name is Gail and her best friend's <laughs> name is Gail? Did you know that? I did not know that. We'd love to hear your opinions on Oprah and diet culture. Tweet us your thoughts at She's All Fat Pod on Twitter or tag us at She's All Fat Pod on Instagram. She's All Fat is created and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Khan and April K. Quia. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on our show or if you're interested in learning more about body positivity, check out the resources on our website, www.she'sallfatpod.com. We've collected writing by some amazing women of color and fat activists, books on the theory behind body positivity, and some practical aids like Deb Regard's work on health at every size or Jessamine Stanley's body positive yoga practices. Shout out again to CYG for living and breathing Shine Theory on a daily basis. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Listen, I am terrified of being a part of this conversation because I am still holding out hope that Oprah will adopt me. So, I mean, I am not, I am not opening this can of worms. <laughs> I love it. This is the ultimate cop out, though, to be like, this is an important issue. We're going to let these brand new podcasters open this can of worms for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, ta- I'm like not talking shit about Oprah and like, you know, her Weight Watchers commercial 
because I know that the very important issue with Oprah is her like fake farming. Um, <laughs> you can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or on Apple Podcasts, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kenesha Sneed. This podcast is produced by the wonderful and amazingly dressed Gina Delvac. See you later, An Diego. <laughs> <laughs> See you on the internet. <laughs> Did I get it? Yes, you got it so right. I'm tipping my wide-brimmed hat to you right now.